2: Every spring, an unruly horde descends upon Austin, Texas to devour movies, technology, barbecue, and a whole lot of live music. And
3: we never miss it. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Jim and I report back from the South by Southwest Music Conference with our biggest musical discoveries. Plus, surreal hip-hop philosophy from Kendrick Lamar. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions.
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and you know, Greg, South by Southwest is such a chaotic, overwhelming, weird event. Uh, anything can happen on the streets in Austin. The weirdest experience I had, I was coming out of my hotel, and I ran smack in. I mean, almost bumped into Sinbad, <laughs> a comedian. He was getting into this Cadillac SUV, about to take him somewhere. I have no idea why he was there, some comedy thing. He had an entourage. wanted to know if I wanted to take a selfie
3: with him, and I politely <laughs> declined. Bill Murray was apparently everywhere. I didn't bump into him, but uh, there was plenty of music there as well, Jim, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But first, we've got some music news. That is Desiree from the late great 60s Baroque pop group The Left Bank. We're playing it in honor of Michael Brown, the keyboardist in the group that uh, wrote that song along with many of their other hits. He's dead at the age of 65. We're paying tribute to Brown because, Jim, I think uh, the Left Bank were one of the underrated great bands of the 60s. They didn't have a particularly long career. They didn't do a lot of touring. They're not talked about in the first uh, league of groups from that era. But the small body of work that they did was exquisite, I thought. They uh, produced some of the great orchestral pop songs of that decade.
2: Hugely influential later on many of those so-called Paisley Underground psychedelic revival bands.
3: Oh, yeah, and we saw a a lot of uh, indie bands exploring textures with orchestration and uh, using the left bank as as one of their models. Brown was actually the one guy in that group that could actually play. The other guys really weren't musicians. Mm. But Brown was sort of the primary keyboardist, his father. Was a, a producer. In fact, his father produced some of the early Left Bank tracks, and and Brown was kind of the key cog as a writer and keyboardist in that group. He also did some uh, work with a band called Stories in the early '70s. That groundbreaking multiracial. Group. They had a big hit uh, with Brother Louie in the early 70s. He was in that band as well. And he also wrote another deep cut uh, from 1968 by the group Cherry People called And Suddenly. If you're a deep psych pop collector Mm. uh, from that era, you know that track. But here is the all-time classic Walk Away Renee," And he wrote it. He developed a huge crush on uh, the bass player's girlfriend in the group. who oh, that's named not good. Renee. No, never a good thing to be in love with another guy's girlfriend in your own band. But yeah. that was the case here and inspired some of his greatest work, Pretty Ballerina, was inspired by the same woman and this particular track. One of the signpost songs of the 60s, Walk Away Renee from the Left Bank, as written by Michael Brown on Sound Opinions.
2: Thanks, Walk Away Renee, in honor of Michael Brown from that group, dead at the age of 65. That is Courtney Barnett from her upcoming album, Sometimes I Sit and Think, Sometimes I Just Sit. Greg, I think Courtney Barnett was the runaway star of the 28th edition of the South by Southwest Music and Media Conference. We're going to review her new album next week. But first, we have to talk a little bit about the keynote address. In years past, it used to be that there was some legendary musician who would stand at the podium and give a speech about how they've arrived where they are in their career, offering advice to young up-and-comers. Some of them were just extraordinary. Johnny Cash, Lucinda Williams, Bob Mould. Over the last decade, South by Southwest has gone to a more sort of sit-down celebrity interview with a hand-picked interviewer lobbing softball questions at some star. I thought in the last two years they were going back to their roots. Both Bruce Springsteen and Dave Grohl gave keynotes in the last two years that were much more, you know, at the podium, fascinating speech. Not this year. We had rapper Snoop Dogg, whose accomplishments are considerable, interviewed by his manager. Hmm. I was not a fan of this. I think there's been a lot of controversy with Snoop that wasn't touched upon. But he was nonetheless charming, I thought, when he was talking about how he fell in love with music. Listen to this clip.
3: Where and how did you first kind of fall in love with music? I think it started in
4: the 70s with my mom playing music, having parties at the house, and just seeing what it did for for me and for what it did for other people, the spirit that music embodied when people heard it. Isley Brothers, Teddy Pendergrass, uh,
3: Marvin Gaye. I mean, she would play everything that felt good. And then she had records up under the component set that was like Richard Pryor records and Rudy Ray Moore. You know, the records that I wasn't supposed to listen to, but I listened to those too. You know, Jim, I wish there was more of that in Snoop's Q&A where he talks about his early life and what got him into the position he's in now rather than just the litany of accomplishments that that Q&A turned out to be. I suppose, but he did talk about his new
2: fondness for abstract painting, where he uh, <laughs> flicks his marijuana ash on the paintings.
3: Yes, that was a highlight. The South by Southwest Music Conference, we go every year. This is my 25th year. You're 23rd, I believe. 22nd. Pretty uh, long run, where this is the number one music gathering in North America. 2,000 bands this year playing at clubs throughout the city. I think the big change this year was the uh, corporate presence was a little less in your face. You know, Amen. Gone was at that. skyscraper snack uh, dispenser (laughs) that dominated downtown Austin for the last few years. Nobody was missing that thing. I think they got so much backlash that I think even the corporations kind of realized they have to back off just
2: a little bit. Well, there were like 20 panels on corporations talking about branding with music, talking about needing to be more subtle.
3: Yes, yes, indeed. And, you know, the thing is, we both got to see a lot of bands that we wanted yes. to see. And, and that's the key for us. You know, up and coming new bands. Austin still had plenty of those to go around. We're excited to talk about those bands later on in the show. You mentioned Snoop's speech. I wish Rollins, Henry Rollins, had been nominated this year to give the keynote address because I saw him do a and a again, with another kind of softball interviewer a few days before the Snoop keynote and thought, You know, he came across as much more genuine and revealing about what it takes for someone like him to have a 30-year career in this business. He'll be the first to tell you I'm a complete overachiever. There's no way I should have turned whatever it is I had into a career. Mm. Uh, You know, he said basically I perpetrated a massive punk rock fraud by getting into acting. I can't act. But he says I go 100 miles an hour in order not to go back to parking cars and working as an ice cream vendor. So I thought it was an impressive glimpse into what makes a career that is sort of left of center click and enable it to have a certain amount of longevity, something that I don't think Snoop ever really touched on.
2: Well, for all those panel sessions, Greg, there is still a lot of pie-in-the-sky idealism about being able to sustain yourself as a musician when, in fact, we may be at this point where music is a hobby, music is something you might make some money from, but to be able to make a living, it's like coming out of grad school with a degree in poetry and expecting to find a job as a poet, right? Nobody thinks that way. I thought the panel that really summed up these issues included Paul Krugman, the Nobel laureate, Mm -hmm. Princeton economics professor. New York Times columnist, former Sound Opinions guest, right? Yeah. And the the Will and Wynn Butler, uh, the pair of brothers who lead Arcade Fire. There, no other band has had, I think, as much luck in the last decade coming from the underground into the arenas. Krugman made the point, one that you and I make several times, that uh, and this was based on some work a Princeton colleague had done. Even at the height of the CD boom in the 90s, artists made seven times more on average from live performances than from the sale of recorded music. Krugman said, so it has been from time immemorial. Artists survive on live performance, not on selling records. And Arcade Fire, Wynn Butler, he said, we have the best record deal in the world. He's talking about the independent label Merge Records. And we make more from one big festival performance than everything else combined annually i thought that was fascinating but as you mentioned earlier the reason we go to south by southwest is to see bands that we're pretty confident are going to make a lot of noise a lot of news in the next year or so we want to bring them to you first that's what we enjoy greg you're up first with uh, with somebody you discovered down there
3: yeah, Jim, I got a chance to see this band out of the UK, Wolf Alice, for the first time. I'd been enjoying their EPs over the last couple of years, and uh, their first album is finally going to come out this year, and wow. In particular, the singer Ellie Roussel. She's a dynamo on stage and also emerging as a really strong songwriter. It's hard to believe, but I think Wolf Alice actually started out as a duo and kind of had a folky. Kind of uh, spin to their music. Now they're this ferocious four piece rock band with Rossell in front, and uh, it, it is just magnetizing. In addition, the songs kind of give me a nice little vibe from uh, the heyday of alternative rock or early 90s kind of stuff but with very much of a contemporary spin.
2: That was uh, a real trend this year. Everybody is discovering yeah. the 90s. It, it, it kind of makes me feel old, but also I kind of feel vindicated.
3: Well, you know, it, Courtney Barnett clearly is in, oh, in that yeah. space as well. But uh, again, I think it's the level of the songwriting that makes it more than just a nostalgia act. And, and that was very much the case with Wolf Alice. I'm going to play the first single from the group that was released about a year or so ago. It's called Fluffy from Wolf Alice on Sound Opinions. That is Wolf Alice with a song called Fluffy. They've already got a couple of EPs out that you can find online, but the debut album is what you're waiting for. It's called My Love Is Cool. It's going to be out in June from Wolf Alice.
2: Greg, I think in addition to this 90s revival or or a return to some of that energy of the 90s grunge era, this was the year of the woman at South by Southwest, okay? We (laughs) talked about Courtney Barnett earlier. And look, I don't say that in any sort of reductive, cliched way. Every year should be the year of the great artists, be they male or female. But most of the bands that really impressed me were female-fronted at the very least. Girlpool was one of them. You and I saw them at a at the place called Mohawk. We were standing apart. A fan of Sound Opinions came up and said, Hey, isn't that Greg over there? How come you're not by him? I said, Because we separate, man. We don't want to know what what's getting each other excited. Girlpool got me really excited. Uh, they started as teenagers, these two women, Cleo Tucker and Harmony Tividad. It's just bass, guitar, and vocals. Really fragile. It reminded me of Liz Fair in the early days before she began to tour with a band. These incredible songs, very fragile uh, constructions that sort of seem like they're going to fall apart at any minute. Not a lot of distraction in the music. The lyrics are the focus, those harmonies, the way the, the women's uh, vocals come together. It, it's funny stuff, and it also can be surprisingly cathartic. I'm going to play a track from their uh, forthcoming album. It's called Before the World Was Big. That's out in June. This was uh, already out there online as a single. Chinatown by Girlpool on Sound Opinions.
5: Looking at a picture of you in China
2: Chinatown by Girlpool on Sound Opinions. Coming up on Sound Opinions, we'll continue running down the best of South by Southwest. And later, we review the new album from rap star Kendrick Lamar. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Remember
5: you could paint me anyway. I'm still looking for in the way I say my
2: Jim DeRogatis at South by Southwest Thursday night Saw a lot of great stuff at the convention center During the day Paul Krugman was on a panel I'm kind of uh, geeking out over the economics prof Former Sound Opinions guest And of course a lot of great music We were all over, Greg and I This band Ting Ting's in 2008 When they first came out big hit with That's Not My Name. It's always a little distressing to me how fast sometimes a buzz can dissipate. And then, of course, the up-and-comers that are making great music. I saw a bunch of them over the course of a long evening. Uh, A band called Sun Club from Baltimore that kind of does the Animal Collective hippie jam psychedelic pop thing, but without the Animal Collective obnoxious grateful dead thing. (laughs) And uh, a really wonderful band from Nashville called Bully which I'm sure I'm going to talk about more on the show. Uh, Kind of my highlights on uh, my third day here in Austin, and I'm still standing, I'm still listening, so I think I'm doing all right.
3: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Kott with Jim DeRogatis, and that was Jim from the streets of Austin. Uh, I believe your third day at the festival, yep. and uh, we had a couple more after that. And by the t- you know we don't see two thousand bands, but we're gonna we're gonna try one day. <laughs> one day we're just gonna stay up for you know twenty four hours for six straight days and see how many bands we can. see. We'd sing. still make like two hundred at best. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think we both saw at least a couple of dozen each. And one of my highlights was this woman Torres, otherwise known known as Mackenzie Scott. she is a 23-year-old New Yorker transplanted from Nashville. Now, she's gotten a lot of, of attention within music circles in the last couple of years based on her self-titled debut album a couple of years ago. She's worked with people like Sharon Van and War on Drugs. She's attracted the attention of some pretty heavy hitters. Rob Ellis, who has most famously worked with P.J. Harvey produced what is going to be Torres' next album called Sprinter out in May, and her studio band included Adrian Utley of Portishead on guitar and P.J. Harvey's bassist, Ian Oliver. So some of these folks obviously think that Torres has got something going on. Now, I was a bit skeptical. I liked the songs, but could she deliver live? Boy, could she deliver live. Four-piece band, I know that some people saw her in a solo context, and that must have been quite a bit different, but with a full band behind her, four-piece band, she plays guitar, sings lead vocals, a commanding presence on stage. I loved the dynamics in her voice, kind of that low whispery thing going into a growl, this commanding attention, the way the songs would surge. There weren't so much verse-chorus kind of pop songs is these slow-building kind of things that really jumped up and bit you by the time they were done. Here's an example of that songwriting. This is the song that really captivated me and made me want to go see Torres. This is Strange Hellos from the next album from Torres on Sound Opinions.
5: Heather, I'm sorry that your mother Diseased in the brain Cannot recall your name. Heather, I dreamt that I forgave, but that only comes in waves. I hate you all the same.
3: That is Torres with a track called Strange Hellos. It's going to be on her next album called Sprinter, and that'll be out in early May. Jim, what's your next choice from uh, South by Southwest?
2: Greg, I'm going to keep both the 90s revival and the Year of the Woman rolling with a band from Nashville called Bully. Now, I was first hip to this band by an excellent review written by one of my students at Columbia College, Jen Ramo. And it was such a good review, I said, I have to listen to this. I started falling in love with the one EP that they had out there already, and then I want to see if they're any good live. They were better than good live, better even than this very strong EP. The band is led by a woman named Alicia Bonanno, and she is a serious audio engineering student. She interned at one point under Steve Albini at Electrical Audio here in Chicago. She cares about the way things sound. She cares about craftsmanship in the same way that many of the best 90s bands elevated the kind of anger in something like the Riot Girl movement into something more polished, ...but certainly not fancy. I'm thinking about Hole. I'm thinking about Veruca Salt, even Nirvana or The Breeders. You know, so there's a sophistication in these arrangements, but the anger is still wonderful. It's pure punk rock. At one point, she turns and tells a man, it's time to stop pointing fingers... Fuck up and be a man, right? (laughs) She is nobody's fool. She's not taking anybody's guff. I I just love this group and I'm eager for the album, which is coming out in midsummer. They're mastering right now. Here is Bully from that earlier EP with a song called Brain Freeze on Sound Opinions.
3: That was Bully with a song called Brain Freeze on Sound Opinions, one of Jim's picks for the South by Southwest Music Conference. Jim, I also checked this band out, and I have to say, I thought they were a little too slick for me. Hmm. She is a terrific, rough-hewn presence on, on that stage. What a great voice, but I thought the band was a little too smoothed out for my taste. You had
2: the same problem with screaming females just recently yeah, on this show. I, I don't am. know what's the matter with you, man.
3: <laughs> this mainstreaming of, you know, a great sounding band is is just uh, not, not a cool thing, I don't think. So, Knowing
2: how to play your instrument is not a bad thing, Mr. Cott. Yes, Cot.
3: well, but then polishing it up to the point where it sounds kind of uh, manufactured is a bad thing. One thing that was not bad at all was an artist named Shamir, Shamir Bailey, He's only 20 years old. He's out of Las Vegas, came out of a musical family. His aunt was heavily involved in the uh, the music business. So he, there was a lot of musicians coming through the house. And he himself has sort of got an eclectic background in music. He started out in a punk band, but now he's playing this mix of electronic music, R&B, soul, and rock, and he fronts it. A lot of people have characterized it as an androgynous voice. I've seen in interviews where he says, no, it's a countertenor. Come on, give me a break. (laughs) Let's just say it's a high voice, and it's somewhere between male and female in tone, right? Jumping around on stage, a lot of energy, a lot of cool dance moves, some Prince vibes there for sure, some Sylvester comparisons that I heard. Mm. Other people were sort of saying the band sounds a little bit like LCD sound system. These are all good things in my mind. If you think of something like Sylvester fronting LCD sound system, that sounds really great to me. This is Shamir with a song called Call It Off from his forthcoming album on Sound Opinions. I've been
4: trying
0: to find a reason to keep us secure the blank phone Saving you from all the hell that you will go through. Just can't make good a call to wife. No more basic arch you guys. Listen up, I'm saving you, I'm saving you, I'm sure.
3: That is Shamir with a track called Call It Off. It's supposed to be on his upcoming album. I'm really looking forward to that. Jim, what's your next pick from South by Southwest? Greg,
2: after Courtney Barnett, the woman who stole my heart, really captured my imagination, performs under the name Soak. Her real name, she grew up in Derry in Northern Ireland, is, and this is a great name, Bridie Mons Watson. She started playing guitar when she was 13, was in a series of what she called crappy bands, and really got productive around about 2012. She has released three EPs since then and has been signed uh, by none other than the legendary Jeff Travis of Rough Trade Records. Her first full album, Before We Forgot How to Dream, is coming out this June. I think the name says a lot. She says she chose the name Soak because it combines soul, And folk, although she notes if you say it, spell it backwards, it's also chaos. Really fragile music, just guitar or piano, and that voice. Think of Sinead O'Connor in the nothing compares to you mode that quiet, Slow-burning power that has the uh, presence to silence a room of rowdy Brits, which is where I saw her at the British Music Showcase. There is humor there. There are politics there. She is an out lesbian. There are a lot of things, a lot of wisdom and a lot of depth. That are far beyond the 18 years that she currently has. This is an artist who is gonna be someone to watch, no doubt about it. This is a song called Sea Creatures. It's already out there. There's a couple of tracks out there from this album that comes out in June. This is one of her new ones. Here's Soak on Sound Opinions. Features by Soak on Sound
3: Opinions. Greg, I can't wait for that album to drop in June. And Jim, I want to know what our listeners think. Did they make the pilgrimage to Austin, Texas? Tell us all about it. Share your experience or any of your sound opinions by calling 888-859-1800. We'll be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with our final South by Southwest discoveries and the latest from Kendrick Lamar. Greg Codd here at the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas, the final night of the uh, 2015 version Saturday night. Uh, We are here at the uh, Presbyterian Church on 8th Street, uh, just outside the fringes of the festival. And uh, this is one of our favorite venues. I have to say, we we have been here a number of years to see some amazing shows. St. Vincent, when she was just getting started out, Sharon Van Etten, The XX, Reese Chatham, And tonight we saw two pretty good bands. In fact, I had never seen a dance party break out in the middle of the church until tonight, and it happened twice, so that was pretty cool. First time we saw it tonight was with Springtime Carnivore, an exuberant kind of dance pop, rock pop band. And here here you go, they're at the end of the show, and people are dancing in the aisles, and that's pretty cool. And then in, The Ritual was repeated with uh, Boxed In, a really fine band out of England. Lead bass and a few songs gave, gave me some good New Order vibes. And then uh, for the last couple of songs, uh, People Dancing in the aisles yet again. That's it for the, uh, this year's version of the uh, conference. We'll talk to you next year from Austin, Texas.
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We just heard him outside the church on 8th Street in Austin with the birds chirping in the background. Greg, you had high
3: expectations for that evening. How did it turn out? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jim, because one of those bands that I saw at the church is one of my highlights from uh, South by Southwest for sure, Springtime Carnivore. I caught the tail end of their set, loved what I saw. And I wanted to check out more. I really dug into their album the next day after that. Now, Springtime Carnivore is basically a one-woman band project. Greta Morgan basically played all the instruments on Springtime Carnivore's self-titled debut album last year. She was coming out of the Chicago scene where she performed in a couple of bands, The Hush Sound and Gold Motel, before moving to Los Angeles to do this project. And it doesn't sound like anything she did before. A lot of references to 60s and 70s pop, girl group sounds from that era. Some of the production reminds me of the uh, orc pop that was coming up in the mid-60s with bands like Love and The Beach Boys. But at the same time, putting her own spin on it, kind of a scrappy indie rock guitar thing going on top of it. The album perfectly captures those combination of flavors, and I thought they came across well live as well. Here's a track called Name on a Matchbook from Springtime Carnivore on Sound Opinions. ¶¶ springtime carnivore with name on a matchbook my final pick from south by southwest this year jim what's yours was hard to narrow down greg but this guy really impressed me
2: a resident of rockford illinois home of cheap trick riley walker this is a singer songwriter greg again who's almost a virtuoso able to do that kind of Bert johns early 70s late 60s english folk finger picking acoustic finger picking he favors a sort of Nick Drake style of psychedelic folk rock but the chops are very impressive fronting a really spartan band him on fingerpick guitar electric guitar a stand up bass and some keys no drums he also covered fair play that opening track from Van Morrison's 1974 classic album Veedin' Fleece you never hear anybody no. cover that Van Morrison stuff of course it's hard it's really difficult you've got to have the the jazz rock folk chops and you've got to have that depth uh, of spirituality and soul in your voice Riley Walker has all of that he's got a debut album that's coming out next week on the small Dead Ocean label, it's called Primrose Green, really wonderful stuff this is the title track from that album which is already streaming on the web Primrose Green by Riley Walker on Sound Opinions That's for Primrose
1: Green FOO-
2: It's Riley Walker with Primrose Green on Sound Opinions. You can find our complete list of South by Southwest picks and the uh, links to the writing that Greg and I did down there at soundopinions.org.
4: I'm the biggest hypocrite in 2015 Once I finished this witness This will convey just what I mean Been feeling this way since I was 16 Came to my senses You never liked this anyway your friendship, I meant it I'm African-American I'm African, I'm black as the moon Heritage of a small village Part of my residence Came from the bottom of mankind My hair is nappy, my... My nose is rounded wide, you hate me, don't you? You hate my people, your plan is to terminate my culture. You're fing evil. I want you to recognize that I'm a proud monkey. You vandalize my perception, but can't take down from it. And this is more than confession. I mean I might press the button just so you know my discretion. I'm guarding my feelings, I know that you feel it. You sabotage my community, making a killing. You made me a killer, emancipation of a real.
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a track called The Blacker the Berry from the third studio album by Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. Greg, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that in terms of both critical acclaim and commercial success, those two things together, this is the most important rapper to emerge since Kanye West. ...started out rapping under the name K-Dot... ...a bunch of mixtapes that put him on the map... ...he was very young... ...2009 he went to performing under his birth name... ...he's now 27 years old... ...his debut album in 2010... ...was hailed by the likes of Dr. Dre... ...Snoop Dogg, The Game... ...he really hit it big though... ...in 2012 with an album that debuted at number 2... ...on the Billboard chart... ...Good Kid, Mad City... ...an ambitious concept album... What could he do to top that? Many people were wondering. He has an impressive list of producers here. Pharrell Williams, Flying Lotus, Soundwave, some high-powered guest stars, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Tupac Shakur from Beyond the Grave. Samples that are all over the map. We're going to play some music and get into our opinions about this record. It dropped early through a mistake that put it out on iTunes a week before it was supposed to come out. People have been listening to it ever since. This is a song called King Kunta by Kendrick Lamar, album number three, to pimp a butterfly on Sound Opinions.
4: I got a bone up here. I don't want you monkey mouth. B- sitting in my throne again. Hey, hey, it was i mad, mad, but I ain't stressing, true friends, one question, where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking, King Kooten, everybody wanna cut the legs off him, black man taking no yeah. where you and I was walking, now I run the game, got the whole world talking, King Couture, everybody wanna cut the legs off no him, oh yeah. when you, well, you got the yams, what's the yams? The, yeah, Mr. Power, that beat. You can smell it when I'm walking down the street. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. I could dig rapping. But a rapper with a ghostwriter. What the f*** capping? Oh, no. I swore I wouldn't tell. Oh, no. But most of y'all share bars like you got to buy the bunk in a two-man sale. A two-man sale. Something's in the water. Something's in the water. And if I got a brown nose for some gold, then I'd rather be a bum than a ball. Oh yeah, where, where you and I was walking, now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off King Kunta, black man taking no losses. Oh yeah, where, where you and I was walking, now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him. When you got the yams. the yams, the yam brought it out of Richard Pryor. Pryor, 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 When the
3: King Kunta from Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly is the name of the album. Jim, I loved the previous Kendrick Lamar record, Good Kid, Mad City. It was kind of a coming of age record, growing up in Compton as this kid. And even though there's a lot of harsh reality in that album, there was also the warm glow of nostalgia. Youth sort of insulates you. But what's interesting to me is on to pimp a butterfly, now the kid finally gets out of Compton and he sees the world and he goes, you know, this is just another version of a prison, one dictated by, you know, race, power, and money. And he's dealing with these kind of really macro issues and and really taking them through, the, through black history. There's a great line in the record that sort of sums it up, a great couple of lines. I don't see Compton. I see something much worse. The land of the landmines, the hell that's on earth. That's from the uh, track Complexion. But Hell on Earth also has a hell of a soundtrack. What's equally stunning about this record, in addition to the range of ideas it's presented, is the range of music. I mean, right off the bat, you get that incredible P-Funk groove off the top mm-hmm. uh, with Wesley's theory, you know, flying Lotus produces. I mean, this, this guy doesn't just get anybody to produce. You know, he's getting these cutting-edge guys. You know, you got the free jazz thing going on for free. Then you've got that James Brown bass line in the, uh, the Roots Homage, King Kunta, that we just played. There's some rock textures in here. There's some hip-hop, obviously. But he's really expanding the definition of what hip-hop can be in a way that I think is driving the music not only forward, but looking back to the roots of it, to Africa, you know, and the deepest roots of African-American music. Now, we can find some quibbles here. You know, there's that long interview with Tupac at the end of the record. You yeah, know, dead, dead Tupac, <laughs> yeah. There's a six-part poem that sort of, works its way through the album, sort of tying the threads together, and maybe that didn't need to be there. But for the ambition alone, it's an amazing record. The execution is incredible. I would say this is a signpost album. It's a buy-it record for me.
2: Uh, it's a buy-it record for me, too, Greg. you got to admire that ambition. you got to admire even the title, which comes from Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. He's putting his spin on it. Now, you were a huge fan of the last album, Good Kid, Mad City he is a narrative artist. He is often adopting a character, portraying a role. My problem with the last album was that a lot of the reductive you know, racism and sexism and gangster cliches, I didn't think he brought much to those roles, even if I know he was playing a character, right? Here, he's still doing these narrative characters. There are some problematic passages, but The characters are set up much, much better. These feel like real people, and they are given the context of this world that is exploding in America with these racial conflicts, with unjust killings by police, in his opinion. He's talking about very human things, too. You know, I hated Drake and jumped all over him for making yet another album about how hard it is to be rich and famous. There is some of that discussion from Kendrick Lamar. But it is, again, in context. At one point, he passes a beggar on the street and declines to give him a dollar. And then this prompts him to look deep into his soul. Here I am talking about black power and what we should do as a community and how we may be or maybe not able to rise above all this without violence. And I just walked past this man on the street. I mean, I was really moved by that and the music, as you said, playing with a live, essentially what's a a jazz quartet that is then augmented by, you know, samples of everyone from Layla Hathaway to James Brown, the Isleys to Sufjan Stevens. Man, this is a musical treat, a smorgasbord, a tour de force, and lyrically, I think he finally has delivered on the promise that so many people have been hearing. So yes, an enthusiastic double buy-it for Kendrick Lamar from the two of us.
3: What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to talk to drummer Hal Blaine about the great Los Angeles studio session group from the 60s, The Wrecking Crew.
2: As always, Greg, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lin, Evan Chung, and our intern, Alex Claiborne. sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. Long
0: distance operator Place this call, it's not for fun Long distance operator Please place this call, you know it's not for
1: fun New Messages Hey guys,
0: this is Abby from Cambridge, Mass. I'm an 18-year-old student, and I was just calling
5: about
3: the new album by Kendrick Lamar, "To Pimp the Butterfly. The new album is not much of a story as a statement. He's challenging us to expand the content of the spoken rap by spreading it over untraditional, smooth jazz beats that really encompass a part of black culture that is often juxtaposed with hip-hop. And smooth jazz is depicted as cultured and digestible, while rap has been equated with nihilism and delinquency. And I think Kendrick is acknowledging the loud and proud subtext of rap, but forcing it to evolve less to say I'm a huge fan of the album especially the track you where he's basically
1: crying with self-hatred and it almost brings you to tears yourself. I knew you were
4: responsible selfish you deny you can openping your trials and tribulations a burden everyone felt it everyone heard it multiple shots corners crying and now you went deserted Where was your antennas again Where was your presence where was your support that you pretend You're- that's
1: it love the show. Paperback
3: Rider. I'm listening to FUV, and the DJ on the show had said that there was a guitar that John Lennon owned and was recently sold for over a half a million dollars. But he said that it was written by John Lennon, uh, that he wrote Paperback Rider. And you can trust in me, in the fact that John Lennon did not write Paperback Writer. The guy who wrote it, his name was Paul McCartney. Son is working for the day to end.
0: It's a steady job, but he wants to be a paperback writer. Paperback writer! Paperback writer!
3: John Lennon may have played that guitar on the recording, but he did not write the song. Okay, have a great day. Hi, my name is Liz from Avondale in Chicago, and I'm calling to leave a comment about the rock memorabilia that I own. I caught Jack White's drumstick when he was
4: playing with the Dead Weather at the Vic. It was quite a fight to get it. (laughs) And uh,
0: afterward, my friend ran down the street chasing the van and got Jack White to sign it.
4: My most prized possession. Thank you. Love the show. When you touch my hand and talk sweet talk, I got a knocking in my knees and I wobbled in my walk and I'm trembling.
0: That's right, you got me shaking.
4: When you take me in your arms to talk romance, my heart stars are doing that St. Rita dance
0: and I'm
3: dancing. My name's Brian Floyd. I'm in Austin, Texas. The rock memorabilia that I'd love to have is the red bandana in the back pocket Bruce Springsteen on the cover of A Born in the USA. As cheap as that little bandana would be, I'd know it was his, and I'd love to have that.
4: Love the show. Thanks a lot. Bye.
3: Hey, my name is Nata Lucas. I'm in Albany, Oregon. I'm calling in regards to the uh, rock and roll memorabilia. There's only one piece of rock and roll memorabilia I could get my hands on. It would be David Byrne's big suit. Oh my God, how cool would that be? I could dance around like a freak in a gigantic suit. I would freak out all the people in the neighborhood with that thing. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's gotta be it. I gotta go for-